Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Are you ready to build your small scale life? Hey everyone, this is Tom, your host of the Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm glad you are here in this Small Scale Life YouTube video and podcast episode. I'm having tea time with Red Dragon Herbs and Teas. We're going to be talking about backyard homesteading and starting a small business from home. Who knows, maybe Ryan's story will motivate you to try that small side hustle that brings you extra income for you and your family. You never know. So Red Dragon Herbs and Teas is a small tea business from Des Moines, Iowa. Ryan and Mary Llewellyn started Red Dragon Herbs and Teas in 2015. They've grown the business through word of mouth and at local, and sometimes not so local, farmers markets. This is their story of international travel and tea tasting, humble beginnings, government regulations, and overcoming them all. It's tea time. Grab your favorite cup of tea, put on your headphones, and enjoy the show. But before we begin, we always have to start with our Hall of Heroes. It's hard to have a bad day when you start your day with gratitude. As part of our intentionally practicing gratitude here at Small Scale Life, I'm starting this podcast episode by recognizing some folks who've been active and helped us along on our journey. First, I'd like to thank Ryan and Mary from Red Dragon Herbs and Teas for reaching out and being great folks to work with for this interview and on the podcast episode. I wish them the best of luck and can't wait to taste their wonderful teas. Thanks, guys. Then I wanted to thank, of course, Dan, Sue, and Jules for all their work, removing Buckthorn on Eagles Ridge, building Billy Goat's Rough, and working on the stairs. So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Julie and I recently introduced the Eagles Ridge Homestead Project, and we're in love with the land and the people there. We can't wait to talk about this more with you. Things are really moving forward with some big projects on the drawing board. At the same time, I've been uploading videos, progress videos, on the Small Scale Life YouTube channel. So go there, check out where we're at. I'll have links in the show notes so you can go there at smallscalelife.com. And of course, I want to thank my family, especially the young men in Savannah in my life. They are special people who are starting to spread their wings and they always make me laugh when we're together. So good stuff is happening and I've saved the best for last. We have another huge milestone and a special thank you to talk about. I am so thankful and grateful for all of you. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a huge, totally big, huge, bigly, I have a really big special announcement for you all. So this morning, morning when I woke up, I looked at how the podcasts and such were doing on our hosting service and I noticed I just jumped out of bed because we broke 130,000 downloads of the Small Scale Life podcast on our current hosting service, Fireside.fm. For us, this is an incredible milestone, and I am so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this humble podcast, laughing at my dad jokes, enjoying the guests and being there for us through thick and thin, even during the hard times of summer when the whole world around us was literally burning down in Minneapolis. Thank you for reaching out and offering help and sticking with us when we disappeared for about six months. We needed the time to get ready for what's coming next. 
So we've come a long way in our five years, and I'm proud of what we've accomplished. We started with nothing, and we've come a long way. But I'm really super excited for what Julie and I are planning next. We're going to build something that will inspire you to start homesteading, to start gardening, to start making some money on the side, to save some money, and to build your tribe no matter where you are in this world. We're going to inspire you as much as you inspire us to keep going and pushing forward. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our small-scale life. Let's learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day together. So what are you grateful for? Maybe you should tell that person or that organization. Give it a try. might change your life. All right. One more announcement, and then we'll get into it. So do you have a side hustle or business? Some of you have great projects, side hustles, or businesses. Perhaps uh, you could teach me. I could learn from you, and it would be free advertising for your project, side hustle, or idea. Share your story by being on the Small Scale Life podcast. Send a message to me using the Contact Us page on smallscalelife.com. This is your chance to teach us as we continue to learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day. So speaking of escape velocity and small businesses and being guests on the show, my guest Ryan actually reached out to me after listening to our show with Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, and Mr. Tactical J. He wanted to tell his story about homesteading, backyard homesteading, and starting a small business. Seemed like a perfect match to me, and after some emailing back and forth, Ryan and I got together to talk homesteading and tea. So welcome to Tea Time. Welcome to Tea Time. Without further ado, here is Ryan Llewellyn from Red Dragon Herbs and Teas. All right, so welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Ryan, welcome to the show. We're really excited to have you. You are here from Red Dragon Herbs and Teas. What a very cool name, but we are very excited for you to be here. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, well, I'm Ryan Llewellyn, and as you said, um, me along with my wife, Mary, we're the owners of Red Dragon Herbs and Teas. Um, we live in Des Moines, Iowa. Cool. Um, just kind of a very typical family, I guess, in a way. Um, it's me and her, then we've got uh, two small kids and two stepkids that are with us, ha- that are teenagers that are with us half the time, oh, wow. and, yeah. you know, a cat and a dog, so we've got a full house. Oh, wow, you do. And a um, lot of, uh, lot of uh, different directions, I guess, we're going, but, um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I've got a full-time job at a tire factory oh, wow. um, here in Des Moines, and okay. um, that I guess there's there's two tire factories here, so if you know Des Moines, you could probably guess which one. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, so I've got the full time job, and um, my wife, pretty much at this point, has taken most of everything with Red Dragon her herbs is like almost her full time job oh, by okay. now. So cool, it, um, it definitely keeps us busy. Sure, so. sure. Well, um, I know you've got a backyard homestead. I'm very interested in that. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the Red Dragon Herbs and Teas, or do you want to start with your homestead? What do you, what do you, what do you want to start with first? Um, I guess uh, does, we can start with the homestead, yeah. Does one feed into the other? Like, you're doing this, and all of a sudden, hey, let's try this. Is that yeah? Okay. Yeah, the stories, um, I guess, are kind of intertwined in a way. Mm-hmm. But um, we were doing the, or I guess I was doing uh, the uh, the backyard homestead thing sure. before the business, and you know, sure. kind of 
bled into the other. So, yep, yep. I appreciate that. I've, mm-hmm. I'm same. I'm I'm the gardener of the family. Believe it or not, my wife was a wedding florist, but she's like, I kill, I I cut them after you know they're already dying. You keep them alive, and not that I was ever growing anything for a floral business, but I could keep the plants alive. She'd made them beautiful, you know, after <laughs> after the fact. So. I appreciate that. So what were, do you have like a quarter acre lot or like a city lot or do you have like, yeah, acreage? It's, um, I've, I've got um, a little bit less than a quarter of an acre. Okay. Um, and I, I just live in a very, um, I, I guess you would say kind of a typical middle-class neighborhood mm-hmm. here in Des Moines. Um, sure. It's not quite like a, it, you know, it's a little bit older, you know, houses built in um you know late 70s early 80s so it's not like the um you know kind of typical cul-de-sac suburb but Mm -hmm. um you know just normal neighborhood and and there's advantages that you can get away with a little bit more sometimes yes no uh, no hoa yeah no hoa Um, (laughs) good on you (laughs) (laughs) you know sometimes the neighbors have chickens and stuff too so you know no one really cares but um i've got it's a pretty nicely set up backyard for homesteading just because you know it's fenced off and it's you know more or less completely flat um Mm -hmm. it by iowa standards or minnesota standards as we were talking before the show it's definitely flat and um get a good amount of sun back there so there's um quite a bit that i could do with it and um, over the years um i've tried quite a bit with it um so I think, uh, did, did you just, was there a certain point where you said, okay, today I'm going to start gardening or was that something your family did or, or maybe you heard a podcaster that we both have listened to and said, <laughs> whoa, this is a really good idea. I can turn my backyard into a food forest, right? And do some, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah, was your, what was yeah, your I've definitely done a lot of ideas from the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, the survival podcast yep, that yep. Um, we talked about, yep. um, but I think it's something that maybe is in my family background. Okay. Um, my grandmother um, on my mom's side, she lived just outside of the um, just outside of the city, and um, it, you know, in a rural area. But it was still close enough where, from her property, you could see the tallest building in Iowa, which is you know forty some stories. And um, so you know, it's. 15 minutes out of, out of town basically. And, um, you know, I always liked when I was there as a kid, she would have a pretty big garden. And, um, apparently my grandfather, he died when I was, um, a couple of years old. So I don't really remember him, but, um, apparently he was really into the homesteading thing. That's part of the reason why he was there. So I guess like he subscribed to like mother news and, you know, would do like, um, you know, kind of knew what organic gardening was before, it was a thing, you know? Um, Absolutely. So I, yes. I guess there was a little bit of a background, you know, I remember just little memories like as a kid eating, um, you know, snow peas that grandma grew or turnips that they grew in their garden, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And um, as a kid, every now and then we would have like a little garden in the backyard, but um, it wasn't something we were really consistent with, yep. you know, just kind of a few years thing. But um, when I got, my own house and my own, you know, yard to play with. Um, it's something that was a little incremental. I think, um, it started off 
pretty much as soon as I could, I think, um, I, you know, I'd keep a few containers of, mm-hmm. um, you know, basil, cilantro, um, chives, this kind of thing. And, um, then, you know, the next year I tried cherry tomatoes in a <laughs> container and, um, you know, just kind of the varying success. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I got, I got a little bit more interested in vegetables, I guess. Um, sure. my, um, ex-wife, uh, who I was married to at the time, uh, we did the CSA. Okay. Sure. And, um, kind of, and, you know, we were both, um, kind of adventurous, I guess, with our cooking. Um, you know, she was a, a vegan and, you know, very like health conscious. So, sure. you know, she knew all the, the vegetables and what to do with them and so forth. So, um, and, you know, we kind of learned a lot together, I think, but, um, you know, so we decided one year that we were going to make a few raised beds. Ah, and yes. We started off with four, um, four by eight ones. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we had a, a pretty productive year, I think the first year. And, sure. um, like, honestly, we went like, uh, mostly me, I guess I kind of get carried away sometimes with um, things, but no, we, uh, <laughs> well, we kind of went ape shit to be honest. Um, like we, uh, got just like uh, containers and, um, little pop-up greenhouses, mm-hmm. um, tried many dwarf trees and containers, oh, wow. uh, you know, planted, um, berries. I mean, you know, we had the space to do it, sure. uh, not the time to do it. And, um, we had a pretty good year. It was just kind of a, a fun little thing. And then, um, the next year I remember I put in, um, I think three more garden beds. So we had seven wow. in total wow. and, uh, you know, it was just kind of a thing where kind of kept going, um, and learned a lot about what works and what doesn't work. Um, I mean, honestly, we could probably, make a detour in the show right now and talk about like my homestead failures, <laughs> but, um, that's, those are really interesting shows too, because you know, so many people, especially this year got into yeah. gardening and they're doing the COVID garden thing. And all of a sudden it's, yeah. a, you know, a weed patch, you know, they thought, Oh, I'm going to grow my own food. Cause we had scarcity earlier this year and I, nothing was in the stores. And then they mm-hmm. tried it and then oh, this, these weeds popped up and it was like, Oh my gosh. Cause that's how my, parents gardened and and your story about chicken math or garden math julie's gonna enjoy that because i'm gonna say see it's not just just not it's not just me there's other people that do that too (laughs) just kind of one thing on the covid gardens um real quick is um my uh my wife's ex-in-laws we we get along with them very well okay and um they're they're homesteaders or you know they have a big garden and sure do all this, but when um, Corona first kind of became a thing here, mm-hmm. um, well, for one, I was kind of spooked because we tried. We they asked us if we had any yeast, like oh, baking yeast, because sure. you know that out, and um, tried to barter baking yeast for. Um, I, I wanted snow pea seeds. Oh wow! So it was kind of like, wow, this really does seem like kind of a end of the world Glapitarian <laughs> thing yeah and that's and bartering glass. seed for yeast but um and that's a glentane anyway, thing you yeah. know the barter and everything yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, man like <laughs> this is what you read about in the books right exactly but um she uh called us one day and said that like well if you guys need to get seeds like you better get them right now because they're flying off the shelf mm-hmm. and uh, we kind of panicked a little bit and um 
you know, put our, this was back in like March, yep. early April. Maybe. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, put our rubber gloves and masks on and went to Menards expecting to see the shelves completely empty of seeds and like just get there and no one's there. There's a bright, shiny, like full wall of burpee seeds. <laughs> it's kind of like, well, this is a little anticlimactic and, you know, picked out what we needed. Yeah. And it, it really depended what state you're in. Some of them roped them yeah. off and you couldn't even get them. I mean, up here it was, I, I saw activity. I was watching cause I was watching mm-hmm. different shelves and watching how things were moving. The meat, the eggs, the canned goods, all mm-hmm. those were all limited or gone. And I thought, okay, seeds are next. And slowly but surely people caught up and they did disappear from the shelves, but it wasn't like apocalyptic, just, gone. Yeah. you know, it took people. I noticed a lot. the mail order places were backed up, but Johnny um, seeds. Yeah. You couldn't get anything out of Johnny seeds unless you were commercial. And, and, uh, yeah, I talked to a couple guys about that. I, I drew Demler and, and Michael Bell, urban farmers. They were talking about that, uh, oh, okay. a podcast I released a little while ago. So, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, in my, uh, Yard, uh, I've tried a few things mm-hmm. that uh, I didn't really do too well at. Um, one year, I've I got, um, I think it was three beehives and oh, wow. put them in my backyard. And um, I think um, what happened with them is like the the next winter there was a really bad disease mm-hmm. that um, that killed off like I think they said about almost like half the commercial hives in the state. Crazy. Wow. So like they didn't make it through the year. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, part of it, you know, probably maybe something I did or didn't do or whatever, you know, but, um, it, you know, so I, I tried that, that didn't work out very well. Um, started off with, uh, I think we bought eight chicks oh, wow. one year and, um, you know, kind of figuring that, you know, if you buy eight, you know, maybe four or five of them would survive. No, all eight of them survived. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Had eight of them in our backyard and, uh, you know, got those going. And, you know, that was, that was just fine. Um, mm-hmm. There's manageable having eight. And <laughs> then one day my wife found um, on one of the swap pages here, there was um, some people getting rid of a chicken coop and eight chickens. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was like free pretty much. And uh, I guess she had already contacted them and we went picked up eight more chickens in a big chicken coop. It was um, chicken math begins. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was, that was a little hairy getting that and, um, you know, throwing like this giant chicken coop yeah. in the back of my truck and, yeah, you know, figuring the possibility that, uh, you know, it could fall out or whatever and be on the news. How did, but, how did the flocks handle each other? Cause you're introducing eight, there's eight there. They have their kind yeah. of clicks and was there a, was pecking order established right away or was it kind of a struggle a bit? They were, they were a little standoffish at mm-hmm, first, mm-hmm. but um, to be honest, they blended together very well. Oh, okay. um, I was kind of surprised. Um, you know, I kind of figured there would be, you know, some more fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I, th- I think one or two chickens from my flock that were a little bit more dominant. Okay. And um, so, yeah, we had those eight. And um, I think if I remember right, we may have gotten four more. Yeah. So we had 12 and then got eight more. <laughs> and she had, my wife had picked up a couple of silkies. Oh, wow. Okay. She was just, you know, cause she thought they looked cute or whatever. Sure. And you know, they, but um, so, yeah, I think at one point we had, 21 or 22 chickens 
Wow. And the rule in this city is uh, you can have up to 25. Oh, wow. As long as they're not a nuisance and you can't have roosters. Yeah, right. So we were just kind of right, right above that. And um, honestly, for the way we managed them, and by that, I mean, we really didn't. Like they had their coop and sure. like, you know, they're just kind of out in the yard all day. That was too much they really they tore up our yard pretty bad mm. um we couldn't really keep a garden because yeah. no matter what we did they would find a way in okay um a lot of our berry bushes were you know picked clean or at least as high as they could jump wow and um they're survivors but, they're survivors you know when they free range and they'll find it you know oh yeah mm. yeah they yeah they um would like eat my aronia berries and <laughs> all this and uh but we got a lot of eggs. Um, they were very productive. Um, I mean, really like, you know, we would go out and, um, you know, get like at least a dozen eggs almost every day. We were selling them to people um, and that was pretty much paying for the food and everything too. But, um, yeah, they were a lot of fun, but they were having that many was a hassle, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, it is honestly nice now to have a yard, Sure. You know, just because, like I said, they, you know, tore up all the grass. Um, you know, I, if I look at my house on Google Earth, um, I guess I haven't done it in a little while, but for a while, um, you could see my backyard's pretty much like all dirt, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else has grass, and then there's like, you know, this one yard with like dirt and garden wow. beds. Yep. Just because they um, they kind of did a number on it, that's, but um, that's the homesteader. Yep, right there. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, that's one of those things. Like, you know, if I was to do that again, like, you know, I think maybe eight would be about the good number. That's you know, pretty much all the eggs you would need for yourself, but um, not enough to really um, just be too much, you sure, know. Sure. And uh, you know, one thing, like, you know, if you have a dog or a cat, it's kind of easy to get people to come over and take care of it if you're out of town right. but um gets to be kind of a tall order to like hey can you come with the chickens out at 6 a.m and mm. make sure they're back in at 10 or you know whatever so yeah. yeah i've got a friend down in australia he was working on a um a smart chicken door so you mm. could open it and close it with a cell phone or something of that nature i don't know where that project ever ended up but yeah he had some big ideas about that but uh <laughs> I can see how some people, you know, some people don't like birds and they're like, eh, I'm not a cat dog. Yes. Chickens, uh, ducks, eh, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, well. they, they were fun, <laughs> we end up, um, giving them all away oh, wow. to actually one of my wife's friends that lived outside of the, the town. And, um, she has a, a business herself and, um, you know, she'll post a lot of things on Instagram and, um, she had a lot of other chickens too. So mm. she'd post pictures of her chickens and um, you'd see a whole bunch of them. And I'd kind of look through and make, Oh yeah, there's that one. And that oh, uh, one. And sure. I guess um, they were all pretty much all alive up until very recently. So like they lived long, long happy life. lives, good. I guess. Good. So that's good. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah. So that kind of, that must've got you a little use uh, uh, to selling some of your products to others. And maybe you were, yes. did you do that with veggies at all too? Or is that all for your own consumption or did you- um, just, just a little bit. Um, okay. Actually, one thing that we did is um, we had a big patch of Jerusalem artichokes Okay. and um, I've since cut most of them down. Um, but uh, there was a, a restaurant in town and it's actually one of the nicer restaurants mm-hmm. that we had a connection with. 
and um, we had sold uh, quite like quite a bit of our Jerusalem artichokes to him. So they were on the menu there for a couple weeks. And um, uh, this is kind of funny too. This uh, this restaurant they actually have a, a laminating machine, and uh, so we had traded um, green onions for for lamination services one time. But Why you know not? you got to yeah. create it. Yeah, very cool. So, um, so that was getting you into getting you into more thinking. Huh? We could make some money off this piece of property, or we can make some money off of our homesteading efforts. Cool, very cool. So, so then, um, how many beds do you have now? Do you still have the seven? Do you seven? Okay, yeah. okay, cool. And uh, you're still planting those all out, and still doing the doing the garden thing and very cool yeah, yeah. nice nice yeah so, um, starting. it's kind of been scaled back okay. a little bit you know just uh, you know having like the two small kids um you know it's taken up a lot of the time and not mm-hmm. letting us get out as much as uh, as we used to like in the past you know a few years but sure. uh, now that they're a little bit older and we can take them outside and they'll entertain themselves, right. you know, to, to an extent, mm-hmm. you know, we can do a little bit more work on the yard. So Very cool. we had a couple of years that were pretty lean as mm-hmm. far as the garden went, but um, we're kind of getting back in there. Where Very cool. We can plant things. And um, another thing that I did with my backyard is I planted a lot of, uh, and this is something that turned out to be kind of a mistake is um, planted a lot of mini dwarf fruit trees and dwarf fruit trees. Okay. um, Which, you know, I mean, sounds like a good idea, but uh, I think most of these trees I ordered from a place in Washington Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they're kind of, I guess, cultivars designed for that kind of place. And uh, they they did pretty well, you know, for five, six, seven years or whatnot. But uh, the weather here in Iowa is a little different um we had uh you know we get stronger winds mm-hmm. and that's kind of the big thing and uh we had a big storm last year that um had a, a really nice apple tree that split in half oh wow and an apricot tree that split in half oh. but they were still growing and doing fine but um i don't know if you saw on the news this year the derecho that went yes. through yes did you guys have any problems with that up there or we didn't end up in Minneapolis, but oh. I, re- I remember seeing the grain bins that were just totally collapsed yeah. and all that. It was devastating. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so like, I mean, I guess that's kind of a, a freak thing, but um, that did a number on those trees. That took them down. So I remember I was at work that day and, um, you know, came home. My wife had told me that, like, all oh, the trees were knocked down and just kind of come out there. And it was like, I just stood out there, was just speechless, staring at it for a while. It was like this beautiful tree, just loaded with apples, and there it is on the ground. And yeah, that's too bad. Had to chop it up, and I don't know. It's just you feel like a lot of work wasted. And uh, but you know, it's just kind of one thing I learned that uh, you know maybe I would not worry about a mini dwarf tree and just try to get a real apple tree, like the ones that always survive here. And sure there but you know you live and you learn sure did you plant new ones then or uh did you know because they um they died or um they fell down i believe it was in august maybe so um you know it's just kind of like well you know maybe maybe next year i'll give it a shot but uh, it was unfortunate because those those two big ones that fell down they um provide a lot of shade on our deck 
that made it just kind of like a really nice place to be. And, sure. and now it's wide open and mm. we can see the people next to us and all that now. So it's, <laughs> I don't know, we might have to plan something else there to, you know, whether or not it produces fruit or whatnot, just to have that shade and yeah. privacy walk. It faces south. Must face the south. Um, it was, yes, like south and east. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That'll bake you in the summer. Absolutely. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, okay. So you're doing the homesteading thing and then all of a sudden you say, oh, herbs and teas. How did that, where, where did that come into play then? Um, well, when I first started getting into um, growing things, like I said, I grow a lot of herbs on the, uh, the back deck. Um, one of the things I would do is make my own herbal tea blends. Okay. So not uh, peppermint growing, um, one year grew chamomile, uh, lemongrass, uh, lemon basil, these kind of things. And I would make my own blends and, um, you know, sometimes mix it with, um, or like dried herbs that I would buy from various places and sure. so forth. And, uh, kind of got into herbal medicine from that. Okay. So, um, say I had a cold or, uh, at the time I was working the night shift and if I needed to get myself to go to sleep a little bit earlier on a day off or something like drink catnip tea, okay. you know, from the yard. And, um, so I guess got into it from that and fast forward a few years later, um, my work schedule changed mm-hmm. and, um, it went to something where, um, and my wife and now wife, um, and I just had a baby. So, um, we were kind of tied on our options on a little, uh, some things, but, um, when the schedule changed, uh, she was going to have to quit her job in order for me to, to keep going to my job. And, uh, we decided one thing we could try to do is, um, start a small business. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, doing something ourselves and, you know, from our home that uh, would give us a little bit more flexibility, um, you know, something she could do like in, you know, whatever mm-hmm. time you have off after just having a baby, I guess. But, um, you know, not, um, not something that would be so rigid as opposed to having a, the job that, you know, you have to go to every this day at this hour or whatever. The and, nine to um, five grind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep. You know, one of the first things I thought of would be um, making herbal teas. Okay. Just because it was something I would just kind of do for myself. And, um, you know, if sometimes pick up, you know, little teas here and there and um, figured, yeah, this is something we can do. And, okay. um, no, I had uh, traveled around, I guess, um, the world uh, and picked up on, you know, little teas that people would have in different parts of the world. Like, uh, you know, went to Istanbul, Turkey, and um, they have uh, like a, a spiced apple tea. Okay. That's kind of famous that there. Sounds really and good, uh, actually. <laughs> like, uh, you know, we can try to make things like that yeah. or. Uh, I was a uh, Marine uh, infantryman in Iraq. Oh, wow. And um, back in 2004, 2005, and our job there was to patrol through this this little city there. And uh, pretty much every day, um, we'd go to, you know, just kind of stop at someone's house or whatever, and they would always bring out cups of uh, like a chai tea. Oh, wow. Okay. It was, it was very distinct. Um, you know, it had a, a flavor to it that I didn't, I didn't know what it was at the time. Mm-hmm. 
but um, later found out what the spices were and, um, you know, re- you know, I could recreate something like that. Or, um, you know, I went to Argentina just mm-hmm. on vacation one year and um, kind of got hooked on yerba mate okay. down there. So, you know, just kind of had these little memories of things yeah. that uh, I had experienced around the world and, Thought, you know, maybe we could recreate some of those and bring them here to Des Moines. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And um, appreciate your service, by the way. Oh. Thank you for your service and, and putting it on the line. My son was in Afghanistan. and oh, um, wow. Yeah, so appreciate the guys. And Daniel Bokris, he's been on my show. He's a Marine as well. You know, pr- appreciate the guys that put it, guys and ladies that put it on the line for our country. So thank you so much. Yeah. And, and I know from your Instagram, you guys do... Uh, you and your wife do uh, veteran things, and I think that's really important yeah. and awesome. So uh, I saw I saw that you had um, Julie and I were looking at your um, at your site, and we're mm-hmm. like, "Ooh, there's some really cool teas here." I think I think uh, we might ha- we're going to order some. So <laughs> that's why I was asking you what your favorites were and what you were thinking about the different teas. And that is a great story about uh, the chai tea. And my wife really likes chai tea, so we're going to get some of that for sure. Um, yeah, so very cool story. Um, you're not growing all this in your yard, are you? No, okay. no. Um, <laughs> I would be I impressed guess, if you were. Is like, wow, how yeah, are you doing all that? <laughs> I guess there's kind of a business lesson in this, and that's not to say that there aren't people that mm-hmm. do something similar to what we do sure. and uh, grow the herbs. I know. I think there is a place in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. At, you know, at the very least, it does most of this. But um, just uh, to throw it out there, like kind of a, a pound of black tea. It's, um, you know, like, like a nicer tea, not like a, a Lipton or something sure. like that. Um, it takes somebody a, about a day's worth of labor to pick wow. one pound. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you think about um, a lot of the herbs, um, you know, there's just no way that we would be able to, um, mm-hmm. you know, for one, have the, I mean, we'd have to buy a lot of land, you know, right. to uh, do something like that. But um you know, if you ever picked a bunch of peppermint and dried it, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it yeah. goes down so much and, um, you know, one pound of peppermint's actually a, a lot of work. Right, so, uh, right. Oh, yeah. Know, we focus, yeah. We focus on making tea and, um, so we buy pretty much everything in bulk. Um, I remember <laughs> one time, uh, while right after my wife had a baby, um, mm-hmm. Borage, that, that flower is really good for nursing mothers. Yeah. And, um, she gave me uh, a little jar, like a, you know, pint jar or whatever, and uh, sent us me out to the yard. She's like, hey, can you fill this up with borage, you know, borage so I can make tea out of it? Sure. I'm like, yeah, okay. And 20 minutes later, I come back in and, you know, there's maybe, that, you know, an inch or so in the jar. Like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, we'll order but, some dried and ready to go already, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of herbs we work with, like, you know, chamomile, yeah. um, so for just, you know, lavender, just imagining picking all oh, that, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, you know, we have to kind of do one thing or the other, right. you know, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. That makes total sense. And and I remember, um, you know, Jack Spirico on the Survival Podcast, like a couple years ago, maybe even three or four years ago now, he was really talking about teas and experimenting with different teas. Yeah. He's like, man, you could really go to town with a business like this. So I don't know if that was an inspiration, but I think it's really cool. You're, you've got this international flavor in in middle of Iowa. And I think that's really cool. So, um, 
Yeah, sweet. Good, good, good on you for starting that. I think that's great. So, how do you find your? How do you find your audience? How do you find your target? How do you find your customers? And and if um, it's a trade secret, it's a trade secret, you know. But no, no. Um, well, we were very lucky when we um, started this business. Um, there's uh, the downtown Des Moines farmers market, mm-hmm. which um, I you know I guess they say is like the second best one in the country or something. It's it's very big. It's, um, it gets, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 people, um, on a Saturday morning, you know, um, you know, just nine blocks worth of stuff. And, um, when we first started this business, I mean, you know, we had barely done anything and, uh, we had sent in an application to them and, um, we kind of expected that maybe they would say like, okay, yeah, you guys can come like, you know, these three dates this year or whatever. And uh, they gave us. Um, pretty much like half the schedule. So like wow. every other weekend for like the whole year, which is exactly what we would have wanted. Sure. And uh, we were really surprised by that. And um, that was like a, a huge boost for us. And we've built up uh, pretty much a big following from there. We kind of consider that like our, our core thing. Yeah. Um, Very cool. You know, we've done other farmers markets in the area and um, I've even gone to the Omaha farmers market. Oh, wow. Which, you know, Omaha is, uh, the farmer's market's two hours and 15 minutes from here, but, um, and it's on Sundays, whereas the Des Moines one's on Saturday. So it's, um, and the hours are, it starts a little bit later. So, you know, it's not quite as early as the morning, but, um, we've built up a pretty good following in Omaha as well, too, just, um, you know, from going there a few times a year and, um, we have some really good customers there, but, You know, we've tried going some other places mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just, you know, if we hear about like an event or something, you know, a couple hours away, you know, trying that out. Sure. And that's really been how, uh, we've built up most of this business is, um, you know, kind of face to face interactions. Um, we get some kind of like odd, um, order sometimes <laughs> from, uh, I guess odd in the sense we're not sure where they come from like you know somebody from like maine or um, you know washington state or um you know whatever will order and was kind of kind of wonder what the connection is with this bird you Hmm. know like wonder how they heard about us sometimes you can kind of um guess how they had heard of you or whatever but um you know sometimes um you know people will pass through des moines and go to the farmer's market and um uh end up you know buying tea then ordering it um we've actually had um uh, a guy from new york that's in a i I guess kind of a famous indie band Mm -hmm. that um started ordering from us and um you know he just in some kind of interaction he brought that up that he was in that band and just touring through des moines at the time and you know they went to the farmer's market and you know, made a pretty good customer out of that. So, um, how sweet is so that? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, pretty much just getting yeah. ourselves out there. Yeah. Um, I think if somebody is thinking about doing a business, um, kind of like what we're doing where, you know, you make a product, um, I would really suggest looking into farmers markets mm-hmm. and, um, you know, craft shows, this kind of thing, because usually, uh, the barrier, you know, there are some barriers to getting into it, but they're, um, they're definitely manageable. It, you can get in there and, um, 
you're interacting with people. You can kind of see how they react to certain right. products, um, the questions they ask about it, sure. and um, it gives you real-time feedback yeah. where um, I suppose if you were really savvy with the internet, maybe you can kind of figure these things out, like, you know, why people are bouncing from your site or, mm -hmm. um, you know, this or that or whatever. But um, I think it's been very helpful to get most of our feedback from, you know, just people's reactions to being face-to-face. -face. Yeah, totally cool. Do you have samples there where you're like, oh, do you want to try this one? Do you want to try that one? Or is it just... Yeah, um, what we do is um, we've got usually about, um, you know, maybe 25 different teas that we have. Yeah. And um, we we have everything out in baskets, but we'll have uh, baby food jars. Okay. With some of the tea in there. Nice. And um, usually we'll... Um, you know, people can open them up and smell and, you know, it gives you a pretty good idea of what you're in for. And, um, what we typically do is, uh, would bring, um, you know, maybe one or two, just kind of depending on the size of the event, um, those air pot coffee yes. things yes. and, uh, fill it up with, you know, different types of tea and give people samples of, you know, cool. some of the, you know, better sellers, but, um, due to uh, Corona restrictions, um, you know, we weren't doing that this year. So that's right. something, you know, that we've kind of. Yeah. Not that's, done. that's interesting. So they, did they have farmers markets at all or did they really throttle everything back or how did oh, they. Boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was, um, man. Um, okay. So like I said, the Des Moines, the downtown Des Moines farmers market was kind of our biggest um, sure. focus. And there I think it was a city ordinance that um, there weren't supposed to be gatherings, um, you know, of over a certain amount of people outside. And, you know, the farmer's market, I think, was specifically cited as ones that you can't. And um, sure. um, it, it kind of when they were talking about letting people go to farmer's markets, it um, kind of opened up a lot of, you know, online, um, oh. you know, Karens, I guess you would say. I, mean, I hate kind of uh. using that. The grumpy you know mob, the mob of grumpy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, getting on there and um, they were going to allow farmers markets in the state of Iowa, mm -hmm. but everybody was thinking like the downtown Des Moines farmers market, which sure. is like a, a big event. But in the state of Iowa, there's about a hundred, I think like literally like 100 farmers markets. Oh, wow. And most of them are going to be, um, you know, a parking lot at the County courthouse yep. with, you know, maybe, 10 people selling things out of the back of their truck. Yeah. Yeah. We have and, the same you know, thing like, going on in Minnesota. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. And it's like, why, you know, like we could go to a Costco in, in West Des Moines where, you know, 10,000 people have gone in that day. Yes. But you can't buy a squash out of the back of someone's truck in a parking right. lot. Yeah. But, um, you, you know, so um, what the downtown Des Moines farmers market did and uh, you know, I'm not like saying they, they did anything wrong. I know that was just kind of, what was put on their plate was um, they did a drive-through market. Oh, so they had a big um, parking lot um, at our state capitol, and um, there were a lot fewer vendors. Okay, and we were all spaced apart, um, fifty feet from one another, and um, you know we had to have masks on, and people would would drive through, and I, I guess people kind of weren't allowed to like get out of their cars and like come out and look. So they had to, you know, drive up. And um, so, you know, typically, like I was saying, we'd have all of our tea out and we'd yeah. have like the jars and samples. So what we had to do is uh, we made a menu. Oh, okay. Of our teas. And sure. um, 
you know, laminated it so, you know, we can wipe it off or whatever, but cars would come and, you know, you'd hand them the menu and say, you know, you look it over, let me know what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as you can imagine, uh, sales were quite a bit lower yeah. <laughs> in previous years just because, um, you know, for one, it, it kind of took the farmer's market experience out of it, you know, yeah. like getting up and walking around and looking at things. And getting but, to um, know your farmer, your homesteader, yeah. or your your uh, merchant, if you will. So, yeah. Yeah, it was hard to, you know, kind of really make a connection with people. Right. Um, but it was nice, I guess, in a sense that it allowed, um, you know, kind of some of your more diehard customers, you know, yeah. that came out. So, like, the first time they did it um, – you know, sales actually weren't too bad. I think a lot of people were just kind of chomping at the bit, mm-hmm. you know, for something like that. But, sure. you know, it's kind of as the year went on, you know, just, it just kind of, it just wasn't the same, mm-hmm. you know, but um, there were some smaller farmers markets that we did. Um, there was one that, um, you know, still, still in the same city, but just like a different part of the city. Um that we did. I mean, you know, that they don't get as many people as like the main one that we would do, but you know, still it was nice to um, kind of keep a bookmark and things and, you know, make some new customers, meet some new people. Sure. Um, we uh, really, a lot of like the craft shows and yeah. um, holiday theme shows that we would typically do uh, a lot of those canceled. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember the last one we did was, back in march and then um crazy yeah then like everything else Mm. you know this time of the year canceled um there were a few smaller ones um that happened that we took part of that you know were were pretty good but um yeah everything was kind of really ratcheted down so you know covid um definitely put some strain on us but um in a way it made us think outside the box a little bit so we started um dabbling in retail a little bit more okay. so we're um you know in a few stores locally mm-hmm. like consignment one, type thing what was that like a, a consignment type thing where you hey uh, sell it a little bit of profit goes to you but most of it's coming to us yeah kind of, yeah kind yeah. of um there's like a few um i guess like you'd say boutique retailers yeah. that, um, you know would, would sell it to like at wholesale prices and sure. they would sell it and um, that's actually been pretty good for us this year oh, good good we've um talked to some like bigger um grocery stores and um like health food stores and stuff around the area and um you know got got some bites on our product but um you know, we, um, you know, just trying to do this, we've done, um, we've done a couple subscription boxes mm-hmm. and they're just kind of reached out to some people and, you know, had our tea in those, um, you know, we've done like a few, um, like, I guess you would say corporate gifts. Sure. Well, you know, just trying to, um, I guess diversify a, a little bit from, from the farmer's market and, um, you know, definitely trying to, uh, get more online sales. Right. And, we've had before so we've um like our email list is something that we've always kind of um i i guess you'd say i'll kind of put on a back burner a little bit maybe not guilty (laughs) maybe not giving it the attention should have but um you know we've started um kind of hitting that a little bit harder more and um and that's made a big difference um 
you know, my wife, she's put a lot of effort into uh, like building up our Instagram mm-hmm. and um, you know, she's, she gets pretty competitive um, about that. Like, you know, like, Oh yeah, we got seven more people today. <laughs> that so um you know we you know just definitely trying to do that and um you know with, with her at the helm on social media it, it definitely has gotten better yeah. um used to be when i was kind of doing more of that like you know maybe i'd post something on instagram uh, you know once a week or so if if that but um you know she's she's very active daily and like interacting yep. with people and um yeah, my uh, uh, Michael Bell down in Dallas, Texas. He has Dallas Half Acre Farms where he's growing greens and all kinds of veggies and such. Um, he found that Instagram is a very powerful tool, and for him, selling let you know different his salad mix. Um, the vegans, you know, they were all over it and he'd find like hashtag vegan or something. And right now Instagram's doing some dumb things with the election. They can't, you can't even get into some, you can't even join some hashtags right now. I found this out today and I was like, what? Oh, really? But, um, you know, like you get into a certain hashtag and then you start to, you know, Hey, that's, I'm great. I'm glad you're a vegan. You know, I've got some great, you know, Dallas vegans or vegans in Fort Worth or wherever you're at. And Hey, I've got this stuff. Maybe you want to try this. And they and they like the story. They like the, you know, that it's homegrown, that it's, it's no, no pesticides, no herbicides, none of that. It's just lettuce and it's awesome. And this, you know, Michael's a muscle bound guy. So it's like, Oh, this bodybuilder dude, who's a teacher. All right, let's do this. You know? So there are different ways you can do it. Like using Instagram, using the social media platforms, it can suck up a lot of time. But there's ways you can do it too. So I, I really like the idea of the subscription boxes too. I, that's kind of like Nicole's uh, Nicole Sauce and her Coffee of the Month Club or whatever she's got going on. So I think there might be some, who knows. I mean, there might be some kind of thing there. It's kind of like the CSA box again too, right? So you can get a little different Coffee of the Month or Tea of the Month and try that. So yeah. that's cool. and uh, that's another thing too. Um, we got our tea and. Um, uh, someone's CSA box. Ah, right? very you know, cool. So, um, you know, that's, I mean, not, not to say that's like a huge, like revenue source, but, um, it's something, you right. know, and, um, at a time when, you know, it, it feels like a lot of things have been taken away from a, or a lot of opportunities taken away. It's like, you got to look for all these other ones. And, um, I mean, I really think that, um, it'll pay off for us, you know, like having to, um, you know go to like all these you know different sources and you know we're seeing some new faces and you know making some new customers and sure sure being on our podcast we get to amplify your message and say hey try this tea you know yeah Yeah, (laughs) all right so i didn't ask and shame on me red dragon where did you come up with that name just out of curiosity um well my last name is llewellyn yeah and uh you know that's about as welsh as it gets and um, you know that's kind of something that's um you know, always, always been a thing for me and my, you know, family, that the background. And, um, so we took the dragon from the Welsh flag and that, you know, kind of made something out of that for the logo. But, um, what I I think it's kind of cool about that is, um, the dragon is something that takes from Eastern traditions as well as Western traditions too. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, for us, there is that connection, whereas, you know, tea, um, you know, when you talk, you know, black tea, green tea, and so forth. It, you know, comes from China, India. And then, um, you know, a lot of the herbs we work with, you know, kind of more from the Western tradition and, you know, kind of our folklore and so forth. So um, just think it's just kind of a perfect name for us. That, yeah, that is a really cool point. Really, not, I like that. I really like that. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. 
that was divine. I don't know where you got that idea, but I, that's, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I have my mom sometimes. But. <laughs> yeah. And as a kombucha guy, you know, yeah, I like my, I'm doing a 50, 50 green tea, black tea blend in my new kombucha mm-hmm. stuff. So I, yeah, I appreciate it. It's each one has its own unique flavor and then you add fruits to it and, oh, it's good stuff. So <laughs> Really good stuff. Um, so what pitfalls, oh, looking forward, um, any lessons learned from starting up this business? I mean, it, did you have to deal with like, oh, well, it's like a food product. So you have to deal with an approval from some municipal agency or some state agency about that or insurance, yeah. LLC, that kind of stuff. Did you have to run into those those roadblocks or anything? Yeah, that was um, a bit of a pitfall. Um you know, we started off registered as an LLC and, you know, that, that was a pretty smooth process. You know, it's really, um, it, it may seem intimidating sometimes to fill out that paperwork, but that, you know, that was nothing. Um, one of the big hurdles that we had right off the bat was getting insurance, business insurance. Uh, and um, now that typically for um, doing like a lot of these events and farmers markets, you have to have um $1 million worth of liability insurance, you know, which, you know, sounds like a lot, but you know, really yeah. it's not that big of a deal, but uh, we had to really shop around for insurance because mm-hmm. um, just what we do, it seems like something that would be, you know, kind of standard, but uh, they were kind of like, what you're going to like, okay. So you're taking things out of bags and putting them with other things and putting them in other, bag, you know, and they're kind of like, that's crazy. No way. And, hey, um, there's there's a whole world out there that's putting things into bags and smaller bags. <laughs> they don't have any insurance, right? But it's a very popular product. I don't know what that is. Yeah, but exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And who knows? They might be insuring that someday soon and the way yeah. things are going. Different states, they probably are getting insurance. So. <laughs> yeah, but um, and like the quotes we'd get for insurance, oh. they were all over the place. Like some people would just flat out say no way. Mm. And, um, you know, we'd get some that would come in pretty reasonably and um you know others that wanted like two thousand dollars a month or something you know it's just something crazy like that brutal but, um that was a bit of a hurdle um and um dealing with the food inspector was mm-hmm. kind of something too that's that's ongoing i guess but um there's cottage food laws in most yes. states yes and um you know you have to kind of read them and every state's a little bit different but in iowa if you're selling primarily at farmer's markets that um, there's a lot more you can, you know, I guess, get away with. So um, when we started off, we were making most of the tea like in our home, you know, and which was, which was just fine for, you know, selling at farmer's markets. And um, we decided um, that it would be good for us to get a commercial kitchen. Okay. That's where I was going to ask next. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, um, one of our customers um, asked us why we weren't doing retail. Ah. And that was one of the reasons why is because we didn't have access to a commercial Mm -hmm. kitchen. And uh, she actually had a connection for us. And um, so we we rent out kitchen space right now in a a bakery at a grocery store. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just kind of a deal where um, they're, you know, they give us our space there and, um, it's worked out pretty good, but um, we started doing it in the commercial kitchen, even though technically we, well, if we were making online sales, uh, we would have to do it, you know, which we, which we were, but um, you know, we were doing everything right, but we didn't have the, uh, the license. Sure. And one day we had signed up for an event and um, the, the inspector called 
and um because he had saw like all the um the vendors and you know had their phone numbers and stuff and um when i answered the phone and he said like you know hi i'm so-and-so with the iowa food inspection people like you know i i admit i got a chill down my spine right? but um we had basically he when we told him what we're doing he said that like what we're doing is probably fine but he wanted us to go get the license gotcha and um so you know that was fine and like i remember a conversation i had with um somebody in the office i think a couple months earlier when i was asking like what we'd have to do and um i remember when i called her i was very vague like hi i'm a um, guy with a business and <laughs> a few questions you know like i wouldn't say who I was or very specifically what I was doing, just kind of like, <laughs> and, you know, she kind of caught on to what I was doing. She's like, kind of like, okay, well, if you're, if you're doing this, you know, like you, you probably need this license and, yeah. you know, but um, we did get all that straightened out. Um, you know, we had the inspector come and, you know, look at our kitchen and sure. um, we actually got dinged for a couple of things that oh. were, um, well, I guess it wasn't necessarily us, but while he was there, he dinged, the, the grocery store oh, wow. and their kitchens for a few things, but, um, you know, they, they can be a little intimidating, um, to deal with those, but, um, you know, for the most part, you know, they're, you know, helpful and just kind of, you know, no nonsense people. And, you know, they'll guide you through what you need to know, sure. but, uh, just kind of like with insurance, what we do was considered like a little like unique to them. So they didn't have established protocol, Mm-hmm. for that so you know there are some things they were kind of like iffy on but um you know they it, it just took a little bit of time i guess and you know talking to some people to get everything ironed out um i remember we did the farmer's market in omaha and we had to deal with the nebraska people oh. and um you figure nebraska is a little bit more freewheeling than iowa but um it, you know they had like this um all these things that we were supposed to do. And um, I guess if we wanted to do this event, we we're supposed to pay like $300 fine or whatever. And um, this guy read off this big list to me <laughs> and um, I got off the phone with him and like looked at the webpage again and saw that there was like just one little clause or something that said like, you know, if this is um, for the farmer's market, then it's a, it's something kind of like that. And um, when I called him back, you know, it's just kind of, well, like it says here, this, and he's just kind of, huh, well, well, I, I guess it does. I guess, I guess you guys are fine. <laughs> like, really? That's it? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. and, you know, we've had the health inspectors, um, you know, come up to us in Nebraska, like at these events. And, um, you know, you, you do get like a little nervous when they come around, but, uh, you know, they're just kind of, oh, okay, you guys are doing samples. And, okay, cool. You know, and walk on. So, yeah. 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 I mean, these, you know, these people, they're not out to get you, you know, even though in your head, maybe sometimes you might think that, but, um, you know, they're, they're not. Yeah. As a railroad crossing inspector for, um, big federal government agency, I, it is interesting when I pull up on railroad employees at a railroad crossing and they might be inspecting track or whatever, and they're in their track mobile and they see me in a federal vehicle and they, they look and their eyes get big, like, Oh, and then I've never seen railroaders move as fast as when I pull up and they're like, gone. <laughs> they all get nervous, you know? And I think that's just a natural thing is like, Oh my God, the, the police are here, or the inspectors here or the whatever, and they're going to get me. And, and they just, 
boogie on out of there. It's, it's natural, you know, and, and the way we approach it in my agency is this is a learning thing. We're all in this together and we're not trying to get that person unless they're trying to, we're here for public safety. If you're trying to really do something bad, then you're going to get in trouble. But otherwise most people are trying to do the right thing, you know, and that's the way we approach it. It's a learning thing. It's not like a, "Mm," you know, I'm going to get you today. That's not the way we want to operate. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, your samples, those are bad. I'm going to get you. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, there are, specific rules that they lay out for for what we do and i mean to be honest some of them you know we're not 100 percent sure on Mm -hmm. everything you know that's out there just because there is so much stuff but um you know everything is out there though and uh, i mean obviously we we stand by everything that we do we we think everything we do is is just fine and um you know by by the law and otherwise oh yeah, yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the bookkeeping, the taxes, all that is it chews up time and effort and all that. Mm-hmm. That can be a pitfall, too, for people. So, yeah, yeah, it absolutely can. And um, that's kind of something where, you know, maybe sometimes wearing too many hats for your business mm-hmm. can um, really um, take away from everything else, too. You know, if you're spending too much time, um, you know, like for us, like labeling our tea or whatever, when, you know, you could be marketing online or doing your books or, or vice versa. Um, and that's kind of something for us right now. We're kind of at an awkward size mm. where, um, you know, we started off kind of very small where, you know, it did make sense to do everything by hand, but, um, you know, we're kind of at a point where, um, you know, maybe it makes more sense to, like outsource a lot of things for, you know, as insofar as like labeling or um, mm-hmm. it's kind of thing. Cause it, it eats up a lot of time, but still we're not so big where, um, where uh, we, I don't know, like we really need the flexibility right now too, to be able to sure do different things, but you know, like we can't um, send off for, you know, a thousand labels of this one T or, you know, whatever. So um Kind of, kind of a little awkward, um, size wise, I guess, you know, insofar as that, but yeah, sounds like a business opportunity for somebody else to jump in and kind of do some labeling or do the account yeah, or something you know, like actually, that. Actually, <laughs> um, we've had, um, you know, some people that we know yeah. that, um, you know, just kind of, you know, need a little bit of money here and mm-hmm. there, like, okay, yeah, we'll put these labels on the bags and, um, you know, it's 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 an easy job it just kind of takes time basically and that's about it but it frees you up to do other things which is important too like mix the tea right and get it right exactly (laughs) yeah mix the tea you know deal with customers and you know this kind of thing um you know post on instagram um yep i know there's a lot of businesses out there that um kind of make their money doing marketing Mm. for for small businesses and I just couldn't imagine like outsourcing that, you know, and getting rid of like our personal touch on these right. things, uh, you know, so it's something that takes time and, you know, you would do right. Well, the, uh, the stepdaughter, she's 14 and, um, she'll label bags actually quite a bit, you know, for, for money and sure. so it works out pretty good. Yeah. It's free exchange or it's an exchange, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time I mean, and labor yeah. for some cashola. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Now how about, um, how about with the pandemic getting materials in, getting the teas and the herbs and all the other, other things that you need to make your blends. Has that been okay? And then also storage. 
how do you store mm-hmm. all this stuff? Um, yeah, well, for the uh, for the pandemic, um, right off the bat, we had some problems getting some things, um, namely elderberry and elderflower oh, products. Okay. Um, we have one tea that's one of our more popular ones that um, takes elderflower or elderberries. Mm-hmm. You know, can we make it both ways sometimes? But um, that sold out pretty quick, and um, we actually. Um, kind of button heads with one supplier, honestly, because um, they they would sell out of a lot of things. They said wow. that you know their business was like way up, you mm-hmm. know, because of all this. And um, so we would place orders, and then we would get like half the order or something, yeah. and they just kind of send out a little invoice. It's like, yeah, we're out of this. And it's like, well, you could have told us, right? Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's about it. Um, yeah, elderberry was kind of hard to get a hold of. Um, I think there were a few other herbs that we had problems with, um, you know, kind of back in April. Sure. Um, namely, and, um, you know, it's been a little spotty with some things through the summer, but uh, I think we're getting to the point where there's not really too many shortages Good. on things. But yeah, it, it definitely was something where um, there were like delays too. Yeah. You know, just like in shipping and like, oh, yeah. you know, maybe places like we're missing, you know, their, their workers or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this it, it did hit us. We weren't able to fulfill orders as fast as, um, what we would normally do, you know, but not, not too bad, I guess. Yeah. The supply chain was, was gamey there for a while, but you know, hopefully yeah. it's all stabilized. Now storage, you're getting all this yes. product in. Where do you put it? Do you put it in your closet? Do you put it under your bed? I mean, where do you put all this stuff? Um, yeah, we, uh, we've got the kitchen, okay. the commercial kitchen that yep. we use and, uh, we pretty much have everything there. Oh, cool. Okay. So, that's good. Um, yeah. So we get, uh, deliveries, um, you know, here at our house and, you know, usually it just comes in big boxes and, you know, it seems like every day we get something and, uh, usually just take it there. Very cool. And that's where we keep all of our herbs. And, um, so yeah, it, it works out pretty good. I mean, we've got some stuff here in the house, um, you know, it's like our labels and, and all this, but, um, and, you know, we have some tea here just to fulfill online orders, but sure. most everything we keep at the kitchen. Yeah, totally cool. I, I know that uh, there's a local kombucha maker here, and he's got mm-hmm. space at a brewery, and he does all of his stuff there. Um, there's a commercial kitchen you can rent um, in kind of just south of Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and so if you're getting something up and going, there might be opportunities like that. You know, if you're out there in space and you're thinking, oh, I want to make X, Y product and I need a commercial kitchen, I can't do it. Well, there might be an opportunity for somebody, you know, they're not making stuff 24-7. There might be an opportunity to get in there and do some things, you know. I think that's, yeah, that's yeah. great. How did you and, how did you determine that? Did you know I you maybe said that. Do you know did you know someone at the grocery store or did you just kind of start calling around or how did you find that opportunity? Um, well, um, it was a, a customer of ours. Okay. And, um, like I said, she asked, um, you know, why we weren't in retail yeah. and, you know, I said that, um, you know, well, one of the reasons I gave her was that, um, we needed a commercial kitchen yeah. and she's like, well, like, you know, what exactly do you need? And I was like, well, to be honest, like pretty much what we would need is a 
commercial kitchen address basically in like yeah. a table and a roof, you know, mm. over us. Like, you know, we, um, doing what we do, we don't really need a lot of equipment. Right. Um, you know, like we have to use an oven maybe like once a month or something, but, um, you know, we just, just kind of need like access to the kitchen. And she's like, really, that that's it. And, um, her son had just, um, you know, done, he was an architect and, and done work for this grocery store. Oh, cool. And it was like an, an independent grocery store, you know, so they have, you know, some leeway on things. Sure. And, um, you know, it's kind of made the connection and, uh, they had space in their bakery and we just agreed on paying a certain amount a month and, um, yeah, it's worked out pretty good for us. So. Very cool. Very cool. And I think we've been there for, I want to say almost three years now. Wow. So how long has Red Dragon been in place? Five years. Oh, right. oh cool. Yeah. So Great. maybe it's been a little more than three, but it, yeah, it's been, been some time. But, um, and, and that's one thing I'll say too, is if you have customers, um, sometimes, um, you know, you, you can ask them like, you know, we, you know, put on your email list or something like, Hey, yeah. Uh, uh, you know what, um, you know, if you need help getting connections with like a kitchen or stores you want to be in or something, um, a lot of times people are, are willing to help you, you know, and, and you don't know who's out there and what kind right. of resources you have. Yeah. Especially if they really like yeah. your product. I mean, getting on your email list is step one, right. And then yeah. getting them to open their wallet. I've gone that far, come a little farther yeah. with me, you know, so yeah. buy some more of my stuff. <laughs> so, so what do you need to help your business grow? I mean, maybe you don't want to grow, but a lot of businesses do. So what would help you thrive and grow? Um, well, for one, just allowing us to tell our story, like I I appreciate that a lot, you know, and that's, that means a lot to us, but, um, I guess just, yeah, get just people give us a shot, you know, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, um, our email list, check our website, you know, read some of the stories about the teas and that's, that's about all we can do. Yeah. Very good. And give it a try. Yeah. Give it a (laughs) shot. Yeah. That's the big thing. I mean, it's great to follow, but it's great, even better to give it a shot. So yeah, yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, is there anything else you want to say? Anything else you have for our audience? Um, any, anywhere, sure. any questions for me? Anything? Um, let's see here. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think that that's about all I, all I've really got. Um, I'm putting you on the spot, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I kind of sketched out some notes yeah, from the yeah. question if there's anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that just, I've found that helps in case we get stuck and we're looking at each other like, what the heck are we doing? <laughs> but it, yeah. usually, it never ends up that way because it's always fun. So, well, where can we find you? What would be the best way to find you online, um, Instagram, your website? Where, where mm-hmm. should we go? Um, yeah. Our website is uh, reddragonherbs.net. Um, we, uh, when we started the business, reddragonherbs.com was taken, but we own reddragonherbs.com now with oh, wow. a redirector on it, nice. which we're probably the only business in the world that keeps everything on the .net, but has the redirect on .com, I guess. So, but, um, yeah, we might change that someday, but, um, but yeah, reddragonherbs.net, uh, you can find us on Facebook under red dragon herbs and teas. And on Instagram is Red Dragon Herbs and Teas as well. Very cool. And, um, uh, you know, you can also uh, subscribe to our email list Very if you good. go to the website. And um, 
like I said, that's something we're trying to hit a little bit harder. And, um, you know, we're not, you know, just sending out like, you know, hey, buy stuff like every day or whatever. Um, one thing we've been working on um, this just from this fall is every week I'll send an email out um, with just like a little story, I guess, of, um, of something that, uh, you know, kind of relates to like our herbs and teas. Um, one that I did that came out right before Halloween was, um, you know, in Macbeth where the witches are, you know, toil, toil, call mm-hmm. their burn, call, you know, like uh, when they're talking about the eye of newt and things like that, they're really talking about throwing herbs. Oh, for the most like it's just kind of little, um, I guess, kind of like full terms and slangs for herbs and and things like that. So, um, I put something out about that. Um, the last one I just did was about like the herbs that the um, the pilgrims probably would have had at the the first Thanksgiving. Very cool. So, um, we're planning on keeping that forward where every week just kind of like a little little story, you know. So. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, there's this, there's a lot of little things that kind of relate to herbs and teas. So very cool. Yeah. Probably won't run out of material. No, so. no. I mean, the the whole um, the natural healing, the herbs, all of those things, getting out in nature. I mean, that's that's really powerful stuff. That modern Western culture is just like, pff, you know, whatever. Give me another pill, right? But there are some yeah. real there's some real health benefits from those herbs and getting out and feeling the soil, touching the soil and, and getting close to nature. I think that's, that's great. And, and, uh, wow. I really like, I really like that. I'm, I'm really interested in the, uh, the newsletter. So I'm definitely going to sign up for that. And, uh, awesome. you got, uh, so Christmas coming up, what would be a great Christmas tea of great holiday season tea? Um, well, one thing that, uh, we just started doing, um, we just launched them on our webpage uh, a couple days ago, really, Perfect. is uh, we've made a gift box. <laughs> yes. Um, it's got six teas in it and, um, they're, I guess you would say like a sample size, like each bag probably makes like eight cups cool. worth of, of loose leaf tea. And it's six of our more popular ones. And, um, it's a very attractive little box. Um, and, um, that's, that's would be kind of a nice little gift. Um, some of my favorite teas are the, uh, the chai Iraqi style. Like I was saying, there's just kind of a good yeah. story behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Turkish apple one quite a bit. Um, that's kind of unintentionally seasonal, you know, just cause it's yeah. almost like an apple cider, you yeah. know, but it, you know, what they would have in Turkey more or less. Um, Moroccan mint, I like that. And that's a pretty common uh, herbal like blend that you can find places. Um, another one I really like is called mental clarity, which is uh, a yerba mate based blend with peppermint, lemongrass, uh, ginkgo biloba and rosemary. Mm. And um, like yerba mate is like, it's, it's pretty cool um, herbal tea. I really like that a lot. And um, we have one that we call the red dragon which is a uh, rooibos tea. It's an orange flavored rooibos with um, hibiscus, lemongrass, orange peel, and uh, a little bit of ginger and cinnamon. Ooh, that so it's not like good. Yeah. Well, you see, it just has like a little warming kick at the yeah. end. I really like that one a lot. So, um, yeah. And uh, we've got another one that I like called anti-nausea, which um, the name of it sounds kind of like, you know, not very appealing, but it's uh, peppermint, chamomile and ginger hmm. it's uh something that my wife actually made during the first trimester of her last pregnancy to make her feel better and um it's just kind of a nice like all-purpose herbal tea um one of our 
our biggest seller is anti-inflammatory, hmm. which is uh, ginger, turmeric, and cinnamon with apples and lemon peel. And um, that one, it tastes really good and it's really popular. And um, out for the count is one of our more popular ones. <laughs> Let's say um, sleep we have, sleep. yeah, we have two sleep teas, one called rest and relaxation, which is going to be the more mild version sure. of that. And then out for the count, it's um, pretty much the same stuff in different proportions, both valerian. And uh, we actually, we sell a lot more of the out for the count, the strong one. So it's, <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of restless people here, I guess. So I don't Hey, know. it's better than a sleeping pill, right? Have some natural, yeah, yeah. <laughs> natural sleepy time stuff. Yeah. Anti-nausea. I think I would have to brew that every time I turn on the news or the NFL. <laughs> I don't know which, but yes. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, anything that, yeah, man, it's been a, been a weird year. Yes. So. I would totally drink that all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. I love it. I mean, there's some really good ideas here. And I think that holiday box is really a smart, that's really smart. And uh, hmm, would go really good with some new small scale life mugs. I got to tell you. So yes, very good stuff. Yes. And, um, I guess yeah. one thing, um, when are, when's this going to be published? Um, probably we'll do next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. Use the code. Um, I love tea. I love tea. Yeah, all one word. Okay. And um, that'll like that'll get you ten percent off the website. So, um, yeah, that yeah that one will be be there. So, and I'll probably um, I'll post this up to well Patreon, well, Patreon before that. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe some people I'll I'll kick it over to them first, you know, and get them on the insider kind of thing. So that'd be good. Okay, yeah. And if anybody has any quite like kind of specific questions about um, you know kind of the side hustle business or whatever they can you know feel free to get in touch with me too so absolutely no this was great i really appreciate it great conversation and uh yeah fun yeah yeah we'll have to have you back on again you know to talk more about homestead failures and successes (laughs) yeah (laughs) and maybe after uh things pick up you know how tea business is and everything i think that's great so red dragon love that that is really cool man Thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it, Ryan. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. Good luck with the tea business in this holiday season, and let's do this. All right. <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks. This has been a production of Small Scale Life Media. Oh, welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. We're going to have some tea today, oi. We're going to have some tea. Are you ready for some tea? Hi, I'm ready for some tea. All right, let's have some tea. Cheers with pickies out. (laughs) Oh, it's delicious. This is the English version of Tommy Cakes. Would you like to say hello? No. Clearly, she doesn't want any tea or to say hello to the audience, and that is very bad. Very bad. Hey, well, have a good day. Cheers, cheerio.